Jeff is just rocking out. Reliving my like high school senior year. It's got, and, a, it's got that bass line. Here it comes. Do you want to use I'm I think I'm I'm good for beer. That was there was a lot there and I There's had, a lot there. I'm trying to figure out like what I can I can I can put the cappers on these are also empty, but I can't save the it's evil 12%, twin. 12%, man. I can't drink that. I, no, I'm not, I'm not guilting you. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta drink the evil twin because it's in a fucking can. Thanks. I should wake Heather up here and drink this. And <laughs> <laughs> now go back to sleep. <laughs> Make it a little randy. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, talk for a second. Okay. Um, what is going on? What is? And I say, hey. <laughs> House of a Thousand Beers opens next week, right down the road in Warrendale. Okay. They're, they have a place out in New Kensington. Yeah, and. As the name would suggest, they have a big beer selection. Uh, probably still worth going out to VE to do our stocking, our like wholesale stocking. But when in a pinch, sure, it'll be a good place to go. Um, CBC starting this week. I've been so busy. I feel like I'm so out of the loop with like what's going on in craft beer. Like you knew the the whole green. Of, oh yeah. Did we talk about Green Flash in the main we show? We didn't. <laughs> like, you knew about the Green Flash thing, and I just... The only thing I had caught was from, like, a month ago when they were putting their brewery up for auction. Had to respond to Michael. He, he told us that he's sending some beer our way. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael. Uh, West Virginia beer. Oh, cool. Just been busy with uh, works. Works fun. It's interesting learning the processes of a giant company. Hey, we just had our, our you know first earnings report since I've been with the company. It was a pretty good one. Cool. Well, you've never seen an earnings report since I've been the first one since I've been with this company. You never seen from from this company. You've never seen the, your earnings report. We've been. I mean, this will be the. This was the first end of quarter since we've been onboarded. Is what I meant. Oh, f- f- you in, in Microsoft? Microsoft. Like, you yeah. see the Veers earnings report. Well, we right? got yeah quarter quarterly yeah, yeah, reports yeah. stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I just making sure. Like, did Veer hide that somehow? No, no, <laughs> no. Veer was very open with their financials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as I would expect. You know, you're private company, but to your employees, you are. Yeah, there was one time there was a leak. Some someone, we they never tracked down. They had me, like, try to do email searches and try to figure out like if someone had leaked the information with their corporate email. Someone had given like, we never disclosed our actual revenue numbers. We just talked about growth, and a reporter got 
our actual revenue numbers one quarter. And it was like a witch hunt to figure out <laughs> how that got out there. I have a question for you because, uh, so yesterday, um, let me bring this up because Damien, uh, electronics recycling, is that you're talking about? (laughs) That came up too. (laughs) Talk about that first. Yeah. So, uh, the company that I work for because of Earth Day, this past week we had electronics recycling for employees so they could bring in... All their electronics. The nice thing was you, they could even bring in like big CRT TVs that Best Buy doesn't even mm-hmm. take. So we got like a garage full of TVs. And um, Damien sent me a message of like, dude, dude. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, someone's taking, uh, taking this electronics recycling thing a little bit far. He showed me a picture of a bag that had a bunch of electronic uh, stimulators, massagers, if you will, in them. <laughs> Pink. And then the ones with the wires, the little balls that you uh-huh. stick up inside and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, you're fucking with me, right? Because, like, like, I'm like, hold on a second. I went and go check, and it wasn't there. Uh-huh. He's like, let me, let me double check my sources. And he also did, like, a reverse image search to see if it, this image came from the internet. Didn't find anything. Then he talked to the employee that actually saw. He's like, I threw it out because he didn't want the electronics recyclers to, like, freak out. (laughs) (laughs) So he put a bunch of um, vibrators into the landfill forever. Someone. So we don't know who it was who who brought the. I wish I had thought of it. I would have bought, like, new vibrators (laughs) just to put, like, in the box. I mean, those are electronic equipment, right? And you need to recycle them somehow. No, it, it, that but is... now they're going to spend eternity in a landfill because they didn't want to freak out. Well, they, they won't be alone. <laughs> I mean, many other vibrators yes. in that landfill. Um, you know, he sent um, he sent that to to me and Megan together. Uh, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> he said. The the way he did it was very like here I'll, I'll let you read the 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 text. Uh, Apparently, dot 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 All electronics are eligible, and they, yeah, it's shut down the bag, and there is a big well, not big, a slender pink fiber. Yes, and then like behind it, there's some purple things, and I think there's a couple of those like eggs. Right, which is like anal eggs. I don't know if they're yes, are they they anal. anal? I, 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 I don't that, know. I would think they're vaginal, but they're the little silver things. I think a wire sticking out the end, and you kind of stick it up in there, and you let it buzz around for a while, and you yank it out when you're done. Um, and then over on the right, I don't, here, I don't see why you couldn't do that anal. <laughs> is that a remote control for a sex toy, or is that like? A pedal for like a driving video game. It looks. Thing? I mean, or is that just like a? Could why can't it be both? Right? <laughs> you know, just made by the same manufacturer. It's the same. It's the same part. And um... <laughs> it's hilarious. I and like I'm looking at the bag. And I'm like, is that? I think that's a McGinnis sisters bag. <laughs> oh yes. So it's, it's... no, no, no. That is a. Um... That is a uh, uh, wine store. 
pack. Oh, wine and spirits pack? Yes. It's even better, actually. <laughs> so the, the state liquor stores and mm-hmm. the sex toys are in a plastic bag that's from the, the wine And then and I, I, I sent this. Alright, so Greg has a gif of... <laughs> It's a dong. It's a gigantic, a, like two foot long rubber dildo that's attached to it, like some kind of vibrating. Vibrating. It's like a paint mixer. Or yeah, something. I think that's what it is. I think it's a paint mixer. <laughs> <laughs> I just go. <laughs> oh boy. Um. I'm way behind on Legion. I've seen the second episode, but not three and four yet. Yeah, me too. I, I haven't. I don't know. I've seen three, but not four. It's a hard watch. This. I mean, it's like I gotta be ready to pay attention. I gotta yeah. be able to skip back and watch it again. Yeah, it's not that I don't so, like it. It's just so it's... like I started watching two, and then like I got halfway through, and I'm like, oh, I'm not in the mood for a hard watch right now. So I stopped it, and then the next day I, wa- I watched it again, and then I haven't watched three and four. It's <laughs> it's, it's a lot to process. Yeah. Yeah, but I, it's good. There, there's a lot going on, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't watched the, the fourth episode either yet. Um, you gonna go see uh, Infinity War? Already, well, I already saw okay a uh, a version of it, a version of it, which is enough. And I thought it was, it, I thought it was good. I think, I, I think it was, it was good. It was. Uh, I knew the story going in. Okay. I'd read the spoiler, so I knew it was going to happen, and uh, it it delivered on a lot of that. I think it sagged a little bit in the middle. Uh, it has um, an ending that you don't expect. Um, I don't. Want, I won't get into spoilers. You haven't seen it, but it's uh, it, it, it's they do a lot of combinations of characters, which is very fun. Is it worth taking the kids to see? Uh, the kids will enjoy a lot of it, but. It doesn't end the way you might. It doesn't end the way other superhero stories end. Okay. I was debating. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, this is a this is a gigantic movie that a bunch of kids are going to see. So I don't think you you should shield your kids from it in some sense. Well, it's like you know, it's not just taking the kids to movies, but buying the drinks and the popcorn. Oh, they'll love it. Yeah, they'll love it. The sag's a bit in the middle, but it's a lot of fun, and they'll love it, and and you'll enjoy it, too. Yeah, it's a very enjoyable movie. Um, It just has... (sighs) I feel like... I I feel like if, if I say this... I feel like I've already... I'm already sort of implying it anyway. Okay. But... The heroes don't win. Well, that's good. I always like a win. When you get... And, and, you know, it's hardly a spoiler, right? I always like seeing adversity. And, yeah. You know, when everything's tied up in a nice neat bow at the end, it's... Everything is not tied up in a bow. It, it's... Uh, it's left open. It's a part one. So think of it that way. And when you do... It makes sense and it works, I think, really well. In some sense, as a as a cliffhanger, it's poor because you know that the that that what you're not worried so much about the consequences of this particular cliffhanger, mm-hmm. 
but it does open up a lot of possibility going forward. So, um, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, and I think that you know I, I will I will see it in the theaters. Okay. Um, but I don't want to. Now I wanted to watch it and, and see it, but I don't want to go through the theaters where there's you know the hear 80 people around me all the time so right last night Heather and I were in the kind of in just the mood for a dumb movie or whatnot. so on Netflix there's a Netflix original movie called The Babysitter it's a horror movie Kim Reno's in it and um, it was <laughs> the, the premise it, it was kind of a horror comedy type thing it had a pretty funny premise where um, it's like Hell Baby. I don't know if you have ever seen that one, but that's similar. Okay. Do you do you know about the babysitter or anything like that? No. Okay. So yeah, it's there's a kid who's like twelve or thirteen years old, and his parents are going away. His dad's Ken Marino, and um, his babysitter's like super hot, right? And he's starting to have like notice like how hot she is and stuff like that. She's super cool. She like you know like they get along so great. So, he goes to bed, and, like, she's so cool, like, she gives him a shot, like, before he goes to bed, and it's like, a shot of whiskey, and, like, and he doesn't take the shot of whiskey, and, like, he's texting his female friend from across the street, not a girlfriend, a, a girl friend from across the street, uh, and, like, she's, like, teasing him, like, after you go to bed, she brings in her boyfriend, and they fuck, you know? And like so, he says he goes down to sneak down to see what they actually do, and she's doing like a satanic ritual. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets like he gets caught. That's clever. I like it. <laughs> and he gets caught, and you know it's this whole like him versus like five different people, stereotypical horror movie like bad guys or like. TV. But but a really funny setup, like yeah, a, setup. a, a screw setup. But the fun, the greatest part about the movie I felt was like in the setup they introduce like. a bunch of just little throwaways like they're taking the roof off the playhouse and there's a bully and there's and all this and like the very last scene the roof of the playhouse is out on the curb and it's a ramp and he steals the neighbor's the girl's dad douchebag dad's like Camaro and he goes off the ramp and uses, off the roof and uses the ramp and crashes into his house and kills <laughs> the, the so they, they adequately set up everything. Everything was... Every throwaway stupid thing they introduced was used. Chekhov's done, man. That's, that's the thing, right? <laughs> Don't introduce something unless it's going to be used. And if you do introduce something, use it. Because that, that's satisfying. They used every stupid thing uh-huh. they set up. They used it all. I was yeah. like... <laughs> yeah, like I just, you know, that's so. cool. Yeah, Chekhov's gun is not about guns; it's about plot elements. It's about introducing things and then using them. Don't throw shit away. Yeah, like everything they introduce, like so. I w- you probably enjoy this movie just because of the way it, it sounds was. like it. I mean, it, I I already think the premise is very funny. I, I and I like that it sounds like an original way to dump into a very standard story, yeah. which I'm fine with. Like, st- standard stories are how yeah. you, you build stories out of them. But, yeah, you, you do an original thing, and I, I like the take. Uh, and uh, and there's, oh, there's, it's hilarious, right? So uh, the parents are going away for the weekend. It's Camarino, right? 
and he's upstairs. <laughs> like eight time you mentioned Ken, right. but I get I'm it. Sorry. But I mean, like, if, yeah. If, but, okay, if, so he's upstairs. If Ken Reno is attached to a movie in general, you probably think it's pretty right. good because he doesn't. So he's upstairs. He's looking for his bathing suit. He can't find his bathing suit, and the wife's like, "Oh, he's going to bring down his jean shorts, isn't he?" Well, uh, and, you know, in Wet Hot American Summer, he's yeah. wearing the jean shorts. I don't know. If, I'm pretty sure that the writers threw that in there uh-huh. just to do the kind of Easter egg tie. Right. And, yeah, and yeah, he brings down his jorts. And there's... <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, send that to me. Is it like on Netflix? It's on Netflix. It's called yeah. The Babysitter. Okay. Um, so here's a question for you. This is the other thing that Damien was talking about. He said... Uh, I take it Jeff already mentioned this argument to you. Oh. Uh, I, oh, I haven't mentioned it to you yet. Yeah. And I said, I hasn't, he hasn't said a thing to me since Saturday night. I have no idea. <laughs> so, what is this argument? Go, okay. go through this argument. So, it was a, there was an article about Microsoft and their cloud effort. And an argument, there was... My initial opinion was this was a throwaway quote about how in um, competitiveness, like there's two major players and then anyone else is an also ran Pepsi and Coke, Ford and Chevy. So he named a couple of the, a bunch of those, right? And my initial point was I, I that I took more stock in... Our mission is to be a close second as opposed to a distant second or third to Amazon. Okay. To be compet- to be a name in the cloud services. Because if you are a distant second, you know, you're in trouble, right? You're going to be Windows Phone. You're, you know. And, supply. Okay, keep going. But Damien's argument was about how, like, two brands rise to the top. How that's common. And I was arguing against it, you know, like with cars, you know, Ford and Chevy, you got Toyota and Honda right in there, Uh you know, and then I was making, I was, I was making kind of incendiary tongue in cheek arguments like, you know, you know, he has a Mercedes, right? So like, when was the last time you had a Ford or Chevy and, you know, things like that. So I... We were sparring back and forth, right. and I, I, I said, you should come on the show so we can argue about this. He's like, just what I want to do, argue with two guys who love to argue. <laughs> Sit around and argue with two guys who love to argue. <laughs> he did He did mention that, something that, and um, where, where did I... Uh, he said, you two guys sure do love to argue. And I said, we have to fill up time somehow. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think that yes, we do love to argue. I think that that. But as I was explaining to him later, and and it, it's part me, and I'm trying to to push myself to not do this because I'm, as, as you know very well, when I I'm arguing something, I come down very hard, very very very. Well, and then there's me, right, who will not argue right. very hard unless I'm like confident of facts, right? right. I will not go off half cocked. But that so doesn't, sometimes it's yeah. hard to argue with you because I don't have enough facts to argue with you. Right, and 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 it should be. It's in my interest to my to to make my thing a little bit more milder because it does induce more 
interesting conversation if the other I, person is not drowned out. I do love when I have enough facts to actually argue yeah. with you. It's so fun. Uh, and I, I love the the sparring of the argument. And, uh, and as I sort of explained, I don't argue about stuff when I'm sure, because then what's the point? Right? Like, why am I going to argue? I'm not going to argue to somebody... I may jokingly like refer to a video where somebody is talking about a flat earth, but I'm not going to get onto a, a big thing about arguing with somebody about whether the earth is, is flat or round. I mean, the earth is fucking round. Deal with it. Uh, but if it's, if, if there's some interest in there, I, I only argue with somebody if I think there is, there's a point they have that I don't understand. Right. And I only will continue the argument if I think either, I'm on the way towards educating someone or they are there's something that I'm trying to uncover in their position that it has some validity but I need to know how much validity it has. So how much weight do you put behind that two brands tend well, to take over a market? Well the question that I have is in in what context does this take place, right? Is it just tech? No, no. I mean, the, the argument was generally, you know, in using examples like Coke and Pepsi, dominate the market. Ford and Chevy dominate the market. Uh, Android and iOS dominate the market. Um, you know, and, the, and the, the, the reason this was brought up was about cloud services. Uh-huh. You know, because you have Amazon. You have, you have Amazon, who was number one. I saw an article today that says our revenue... Uh, surpassed Amazon's, which I wasn't expecting. Um, maybe I'm a little out. Revenue of the loop. is is after a bunch of different. Things. Maybe I'm out of the loop on on it. Uh, and Google is, you know. Uh, what about your EBITDA? Does your EBITDA surpass Amazon's? I doubt. I don't know what that is. Earnings after. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And and, okay. and even if I knew, I can't talk about it, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, so you got Amazon. Microsoft, Google, you have Alibaba, you have IBM doing some cloud stuff, you know, and the whole thing, you know, I can say this, you know, Microsoft doesn't want Azure to be Windows Phone, you know, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, you know, we can't be a distant third, it can't even be a distant second, we need to be a competitive second. It's interesting because or... I, I think that some markets do break down in that way and some markets don't, and... But the ones that do very clearly do bifurcate, and the ones that don't can bifurcate. It's it's an evolving system, right? One like, of the things that Damien linked was that the the two dominant players will, you know, it it can happen in several ways. But one of the ways it tends to happen is after a market retraction. Mm-hmm. There's consolidation. There's things like that, and then you get the two dominant players. Well, it's it, it's very much the way evolution works, right? Where there is dominant species, some cataclysm wipes them out, and then new species come in to take their place uh, because there are now these a bunch of open areas that are not being exploited, so things can exploit. So you have a bunch of big animals that get wiped out, and most of the stuff that remains is a bunch of little animals that then become bigger and bigger and bigger and, and take their place. So, um... This is a natural 
thing that 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 uh and 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 this also this is not just animals like you have big planets and they'll suck up a lot of stuff in the air but then you have little like little rocky things that'll suck up stuff in their area um so it's I think you want to I mean I think uh, this argument hmm. you want to kind of limit to um, markets yeah. you know but but markets are markets are part of the natural world right okay. they they evolve under the same rules there sure. are constraints that are put upon them and that there are sources of energy and uh, the dynamics therefore have have some way there's some way of mathematically pointing out the, the dynamics and, and there's not necessarily a way of solving it but there is a way of iterating through numerically possible situations right it just just like Navier Stokes equation or something like that there, there's you can't solve it you can't say for sure the way it will go but you can say okay there's there's some curve that things will follow mm-hmm. and uh, and there are some curves that are impossible for it to follow. Right? There's a range of possible things. It can't just jump discontinuity. Right. So, um, so there is some constraints onto the evolution, and that comes down to the ways that things evolve. So I'm just trying to generalize it to because that helps me better understand the argument. Um. I think that I think that from a from some perspectives there are markets that are clearly bifurcated and then these markets will evolve into bunches back into bifurcations right over time uh well that's I mean okay so that's kind of the thing right okay so if you look at the Coke and Pepsi example, yeah, are you counting? You know, where's the data, right? I mean, the, is it is it PepsiCo versus Coca-Cola Corporation and all the brands they own, right? Or is it just the brands? And I don't know, like that quote. It's not Damien's quote. It's just the quote in general, right? Because it was someone. It someone it wasn't Satya, but it was someone at Google or I'm sorry, at Microsoft Azure, who said this and. Um, and my initial point was, you know, like the stuff that I buy into that I've heard from, the, you know, the, the from Sacho and whatnot is, you know, we need to be a relevant player, and like I said, you can't be the Windows Phone again. Okay, know? so there, so it's more about being in the conversation, and not that the market's... Yes, like because like agree. when I look at the car market, I mean, you got four dominant players, you have. Chevy, Ford, Toyota, and Honda, and then you have in the like in a I don't know what the market segmentation is, but I would say that you know Mazda, Mitsubishi, Mercedes, BMW have significant chunks. Uh, Subaru all have significant chunks. Hyundai. It's interesting because the, the soda market in particular is is a pretty fungible market, and by that I mean the the product is essentially the same. Uh, yeah, you, you'll be like, oh, I like Coke more than Pepsi. I like Pepsi more than Coke. It's it's flavored sugar water, um, right? There there are going to be people who have you know tastes about it, but for the most part, it's flavored sugar water, and people people won't 
oh, I can't get a Coke here, fine, I'll get a Pepsi. Like, if they want to have the flavored sugar water at the right time, they'll, they'll, they'll get whatever. So it's fungible, just like oil. Oil is a fungible commodity. It's the same thing wherever you get it from um, once it's been processed, right? Mm-hmm. So... I mean, durable, water. Good, durable goods are definitely different than soda, right? Water is a fungible commodity. It's the same thing. Water is H2O, no matter who you get it from. Cars are not fungible, right? They're they're not the same thing. Well, they're durable goods, but they like they they are durable goods that get you from place to place. Um, so in in some sense they're fungible, but in some sense they aren't. It, it's it's a hard problem because I think that I had a different conversation with a different coworker this week. So you heard the announcement that Ford's not making cars anymore? Yeah, they're not making sedans, right? They're 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 gonna make SUVs and uh, they're focusing. They're doubling down on SUVs and trucks. Still make the Explorer. They're gonna start making the Bronco again. They make the F one fifty, two fifty, things like that. They're gonna make. When I see mus- people around here with those fucking F one fifties. They're giant trucks, and they just drive them to work. And what the fuck? You buy this giant truck. What the hell are you doing with it? Yeah, I don't know. And uh, I'm still going to make the Mustang. And I guess it's going to make a version of the Focus. But I think it's going to be like a crossover SUV Focus. Um, it's interesting. But, you know, we've heard for years that the profitable part of the car industry is SUVs and trucks. Right. So Ford is just kind of shaving the fat or shaving the lean parts of their business. Getting rid of the Taurus and mm-hmm. uh, Focus and the Crown Vic and things yeah. like that. Okay, I mean, it seems like a good idea. So, so part of of and, uh, and pl- I'm guessing Honda and Toyota are <laughs> eating their lunch in cars. So let me go back to the original question that which yeah. is, are markets simply bifurcated or are they you know, do, do markets tend tend so towards? To me, bifurcated means something different, right? You already have like kind of. Two halves that don't intercommunicate. Okay, all right. So, so I, mean, I would just say two dominant players. Right? Okay, fine. Uh, and I, I'll, I will, I will accept and, and agree with your point. Uh, I'll change my terminology because I think you're right. Uh, two dominant players in the market versus a, a market that's more saturated with with players. So part of it is, I think, there's an old joke that. Uh, physicists use which is you know um, when somebody's asked a question about uh, about how many cows are needed for blah 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 then the physicist will start with okay imagine a spherical cow because spheres are a lot easier to deal with mm-hmm. right. uh, and a cow's a little complex it's a question of fidelity at some point I think right how how you analyze a system whether you look at it with two dominant players or with a bunch of them because the little ones can have effects that mm-hmm. can spike whereas the big ones are going to be ten, are, are going to tend to have the most effects you know they're more massive so they're going to have more they have more energy impact on the system uh it's <laughs> just the way I think about things, right? But so, so I think that you can you can phrase it. So there, there are there are. Let me put it this way. Uh, when Newton came around, he came up with you know Newtonian mechanics. The F equals M A. And you're talking about forces, and it's a bunch of 
uh, it's a lot of things to keep track of when you're talking about a whole bunch of forces. So math gets really hard. Uh, and then Lagrange comes along and he comes up with a way of doing Newtonian mechanics where you're not necessarily talking about individual forces. You're talking about the, uh, the difference in uh, potential energy at the start or rather kinetic energy at the start and kinetic energy at the end. You don't have to keep track of as much stuff. So you, the math is easier, and you get a different sort of answer. But as long as you can keep, as long you can play around with it and then convert it back into the system, and then Hamiltonian comes along, Hamilton comes along, and he comes with a way of tracking it in terms of not the potential energy system, but the total energy of the system. So now you're really concentrating just on momentum, and just on. So you can talk about a whole bunch of particles very easily with Hamiltonians, uh, whereas you talk about uh, a bunch of systems very easily with Lagrange, and then you talk about individual things very easily with Newton. These are all three ways of viewing the same systems under the, under the same physics, but getting, but dealing with, with their dynamics differently so that it's easier to, to put in places the different things. And I think that uh, that far from it being a one or the other situation, I think that it's there's some combination here. Right? There's you can analyze this, both. It, it's it's so hard of a problem that none of them give you a full answer. Right. Um. I guess it. I just don't have enough information to, to give you more on that because I don't have really analyzed those markets right. enough. Here, I got some I got some jokes for you. Right. Um, where do I want to start? This one's kind of a groaner, but uh, a cop looks at Heisenberg and says, Sir, do you realize you were going 75 and 55? Heisenberg replies, Great, now I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I laughed at that. <laughs> Oh, okay. Here you go. Here's a chalkboard sign. It says, you matter unless you imply your, multiply yourself by the speed of light. Then you energy. It's a pun on... Yeah, no, I get it, but the speed of light squared. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, so... if you're going to make a joke like that, I'm saying... Yes, get it right. Yes. Oh, here you go. I like this one. What do you get when you cross a physicist with a rock climber? When you cross a physicist with and a, rock a rock climber. A physicist and a rock climber. Because uh, the weird thing is I think I know this one. So, um... Oh, God. So you, I, I think... You're, you're on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You ready? Yeah. You can't. A rock climber is a scaler. Right. <laughs> can't cross vectors. That, that, that was what do you try to get me across a, a, a mosquito with a rock climber is, is the joke I originally heard it. You can't cross a vector with a scaler. <laughs> a different vector. Um, Home is where your displacement, displacement is zero. Sure. Sure. See, okay, here's one I don't understand. It is, what is Schrodinger's favorite movie genre? I don't know. And I'm not even sure I know the Greek symbols properly. 
Psi... Theta. Theta. Oh. <laughs> What's, what, what is it? Um, Plumian. What did I mean? I mean, Psi is the wave function. Theta is an angle. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, Schrodinger's... Because you don't know the angle. <laughs> uh, the, the wave function will give you an answer, but it will give you a probabilistic answer. Okay. I thought it was just a joke I didn't get. Psi theta. Psi theta. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe something I don't get either. Uh, here's one that I had. Uh, this Fibonacci joke is as bad as the last two you heard combined. <laughs> That's a good one. Here's a, here. This one's a bit of a groaner. Um, where to go? In 1907, Einstein started developing a theory about space. It was about time too. Uh, what about uh, what do you get when you cross uh, a uh, time raptor with a distance raptor? A velociraptor. Yes. There's <laughs> <laughs> one similar. <laughs> that one's better than the one that's in here. Um, Here's one for the kids. Sir Isaac Newton was sitting under a tree one fine day trying to figure out gravity, how gravity works, and then it hit him. Uh, it's for the kids. Simple. Uh, my physics professor said I had potential. Then he pushed me off a building. <laughs> oh, potential energy joke. What's new? C over lambda. I don't get it. Something about change, right? right? C over lambda would be a change. Delta would be a change. Okay. I don't know. Uh, what did the uranium two? Oh wait, eight if it's lambda, then it has to do with okay, a curl. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What did one uranium uranium two thirty atoms? What did one uranium two thirty nucleus say to another? Got a split. Oh, God. <laughs> Why aren't physicists good in bed? When they find the position, they can't find the momentum. When they find the momentum, they can't find the position. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what happens when an electron loses their energy? They get bored. I don't know if that one's a scientifically funny joke. Is that just bored? B O H R. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, the Bohr model of the atom has yeah. to do with electrons get into energy states once they have lost their uh, kinetic energy. They, right? They, they they when you get an electron into an atom. It loses some energy mm-hmm. that goes away as a photon because it's now in, in a stabler state. Okay. So it's in the Bohr okay. atom uh, state and it loses energy. Yes, <laughs> they get bored. All right, here's one for the kids again. What did one magnet say to the other? From behind, I thought you were repulsive, but after seeing you from the front, I find you very attractive. Wow. Why can't you trust an atom? They make up everything. 
This is very much <laughs> why is seven afraid of eight? Or why is six afraid of seven? Yeah. Well, they're all puns yeah. for sure. Um, here's one uh, Higgs, Higgs boson works, walks into a church whereupon the priest immediately says we don't allow Higgs bosons in here the Higgs says uh, but without me you wouldn't have mass <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, uh, here's, here's the one that I tweeted the other day you might have seen this one it was entropy isn't what it used to be yeah yes I was wondering why you tweeted that <laughs> You're just looking at jokes. jokes. Um, I was thinking, is there some story behind that? But no, it's just a joke. Uh, Okay, as a joke, it works. Um, (laughs) This is one I really liked. A hundred kilopascals go into a bar. A hundred kilopascals go into the bar. It's a lot of pressure. Well, it also, a hundred kilopascals is a bar of pressure. Ah... (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's um, here's your terminal velociraptor. Yes, a <laughs> hundred kilopascals going to a bar. That reminds me of <laughs> why can't you say the number two hundred eighty-eight? I don't know because it's too gross. <laughs> <laughs> Do radio do radioactive cats have eighteen half lives? Oh, kind of alluding to Schrodinger, mm-hmm. but not really. Not really. Yeah. 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 Calculating frequency is so easy; it hurts. What did the subatomic duck say? Quark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no such thing as a subatomic duck. <laughs> That's very complex for a subatomic thing. All right. Uh, there's a couple more good ones. Let me find them. Uh, I was watching this thing on uh, on skipping uh, rocks. Okay. And uh, made, made an interesting point that I thought actually goes back to the Higgs mechanism in a weird way. Which is that the reason why you want... Like, when you skip rocks, you don't want a big, jagged rock. Mm-hmm. You want something that's very smooth. Mm-hmm. Because if it hits too far in, right? If it pushes too far into the yeah. water, mm-hmm. the water has a lot of mass. And that's going to stop a lot of all the forward momentum. Right? So it needs to kind of skid off. As but you also don't to, want you don't also don't want a ragged edge to break the surface tension. That's right, part of it. Right, and because if you do that, the water has a lot of mass. You, yeah. You're really trying to avoid the mass of the water, and you're trying to keep you're the momentum. To use the surface tension to stay off the mm-hmm. water. Right. To like not have the water consume. Right. Because going through the air, the rock can move very quickly. Once it has to go through the mass of the water. And it's because the water is mass dense, but it's because you know, density and, and mass go together. That's that's the funny thing. Um, if you go back to to Newton's uh, Principia, uh, mass is a circularly defined. Mass is defined as uh, as the um, density uh, per volume. Okay, how's uh, density defined? 
Well, it's mass for five. <laughs> right. Okay. So <laughs> it's uh, it's a circular definition. A quantum physicist walks into a bar and doesn't. Uh huh. Sure. Oh, where's I'm, I'm see this, and, and so, from from my perspective, no, about, that's not true. This book about friction, I really had to force myself through it. <laughs> uh, from my perspective, Allie got that one. No, Allie got that joke. <laughs> well, well, I, I, it's funny because I watched uh, just recently a thing about dad jokes and why they are they're very they're actually important to kids development because especially linguistic development because okay. if you're understanding a certain it's it goes through a peak where they're funny and when they're not funny because when you're really it's when you don't understand a concept they're not funny when you really are just get grasping a concept they're very funny because they're playing around with it mm-hmm. and then when you have learned a concept completely the idea that words can have different meanings and stuff mm-hmm. like that they become much less funny so yeah. Allie's in the in that curve of, but it, it's a curve. Oh, she, she definitely appreciates or knows about dad jokes. And yeah. Groaners. Right. Yeah. But you know, that one was right. She was at, you know, she's doing, it was kind of, I didn't realize that she was like, she's doing a physics chapter in science right now. So friction is fresh on the memory. So uh-huh. when I told her this joke, she got it. She understood the depth and the, the pun that was mm-hmm. in there. And yeah, cool. So that was that, that that at least anecdotally that was uh, the, the right time yeah. for it. Yeah, um, she actually wants to write down a couple of these physics jokes <laughs> taken to school now. <laughs> we got to find the ones that actually you know are well. The ones that are funny to us aren't necessarily ones that are funny. to Well, right, else. we got to find the ones that are contextual to a fourth grader. Right. Yeah, there's a couple that are in there. So my interpretation of, of a Schrodinger's cat is is the Ravelli interpretation, which is that um, only one thing happens. You just don't know. You don't have any information until you open the mm-hmm. the the box. So there's no, and and you well, don't. How's that, how's that? How do you how do you describe a super superposition? Then is it the same way, or is it? I describe you describe superposition as, as certainly a possibility, but once you have okay. the information, the possibility is 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 not there anymore. The, the possibility is one hundred percent that it is one position, not another. Okay. So, I mean, I guess is the difference then like how strongly you say it's a. The difference is, is in what you say exists. Uh, in, instead of saying that it well, exists in that, both possible situations, right. so you're saying that neither exists until you open it very specifically because the only thing that exists is what you have information about. I mean, I, that's that's a little more intuitive than the way it's usually put forth. I agree. That's one of the reasons why I like it. Right. Uh, why is it usually put forth that... Why don't they say both cases are possible? Why do they say, like, both case, like it seems to be usually worded like both are true or because both are there is i think a uh in in physics there, there's a there there's a a bias towards the idea that something can be true that something is true for all observers in some sense whereas relativity kind of throws that out the water um so the bias is assuming that if something is true in one instance, it's true for everybody. So therefore, since these possible things 
we don't know whether they're true or not, but once somebody learns it, that means it's true for everybody. Is, Whereas the room... is Schrodinger's cat just caught up in pop like too much popular. I think there there is a there's a lot of that, but because I mean you could say it's the cat is both alive and dead, or you can say neither alive nor dead. Right. Yeah, I prefer and, the, I prefer the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, the latter, the I think the latter uses less hyperbole. Right, because I mean, because there's, let's see, so, there's something hyperbolic about saying the cat's both alive and dead. Yes, I, that, that's true. Because the point is, you don't have information about the cat, so you can't say the cat it exists in both states of being alive and dead. You're saying we don't know the cat could be alive and the cat could be dead, and both are equally as pro- in the case of the Schrodinger's cat, both are equally as probable. Mm-hmm. But we don't know until we open it. Uh, the 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 way it's normally taught is that the cat is in a definite state when before you open it, but you just haven't been exposed to it. And is that the way it's normally taught? Well, That's... that that is the idea behind it's in that. Well, the idea behind. Well, I mean, I mean, realistically, the cat is in a state, but we don't know what it is. Well, right, but it behaves like it's in both states. Yes. So, um, right, the behavior can is accurately described only by assuming both states as opposed to assuming one or the other. If you assume one or the other from the perspective of the mathematics, you will get the wrong answer. If you assume both states are possible and you continue the evolution, in this case, of, of the Schrodinger equation, because, again, as I was talking about before, it's a numerical evolution. We don't solve these problems. We, we iterate them forward, right? Mm-hmm. So when you assume that both solutions are possible or are, are in or in the case those solutions can interfere with each other um further down and therefore you get the correct answers when the when you when those things can interfere right. when you so in some sense in a in a mathematical sense they exist because they interfere so that is where the idea comes from that there it's in it's both alive and dead it's in both up or down states because those states are interfering with each other. If you were to declare that it was in just the up state, then you wouldn't get the correct answer further down the line right. when you open the box. I mean, so I think an easy way to kind of simple or clarify this whole thing, the way you normally hear it is the cat is alive and dead. But you could easily say the cat behaves like it's alive and dead. Or, yeah. And then, really, it's it's the answer of whether the cat is alive or dead behaves as if it's both <laughs> until you open the fox, which is not. It, it's hard to yeah. explain. That I mean, yeah, that's like it's not the cat. It's the answer yeah. about the cat. Yes, that's the thing. It's behaving. Mm-hmm. The cat is alive or dead. We don't know. Well, but the th- answer... well that's, a, that's the philosophical thing. Does that is that true? Is the cat alive or dead until you open the box? It, it's. Well, presumably the cat can observe itself, right? And so, but again, that's a whole split well, horizon that's, thing. A, that's that that that's the yeah, cat as an yeah, observer, but yeah. you as an observer are, are different. You you expect yeah. we're in the same light cone, all that stuff. Our answers should be very strongly correlated with each other, but not necessarily exactly the same. Yeah, uh, well, that's where you have to kind of talk about. Okay, it's not really a cat. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you did do the experiment with a cat. 
then from the cat's perspective, it would definitely be either alive or dead. From your perspective, until you open the box... But the odds of something the size of a cat having a discrepancy in that, you know, that correlation is impossible. Yes, but... I mean, but Whereas, but, in, if, you, if you kind of shrink the cat down... From, to, a, from a purely physical standpoint... Yes, in, 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 in the sense of the cat being alive has more energy than a cat being dead, and that has an influence on the on its surroundings, uh, and and there and those influence comes out faster than uh, than you would be aware of from opening the box, and so that influence would contribute to the surrounding area faster than your observation. But the question is, when something is not capable of being observed what effect mm-hmm. does saying it has some it has some answer does does that right. accurately describe the situation from your perspective <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a philosophical question sure uh i i would say the best answer that I have is no. Which kind of it, mean, it's philosophically weird because it implies right. well, okay. So if you talk about superposition, which one better defines a superposition? The cat is both alive and dead, or neither alive nor dead. To me, the second one, and I mean, this is your point of view, yeah. right? Uh-huh. That one better fleshes out what a superposition is i i think that from my perspective it does but there's so much that still needs to be explained anyway Mm -hmm. that either one can work uh i I think there's metaphysical assumptions that that are sort of implicit in both and it's a question of how how what which way do you want to go with it uh because i i'm an i'm an advocate of the relativistic interpretation the relational interpretation, not a multi-worlds interpretation where all possible values actually exist in some sense, or um, uh, or some like consciousness interpretation where there's something magical about consciousness, or even a pure Copenhagen where there's something that wave collapse actually is is something that actually happens. It's still relational. It's it's hard to get into without really getting into deep philosophical issues because all here's the problem uh, with quantum mechanics: the math stays the same. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter which of right. these versions you use; the math is is tried and true and works regardless of how you want to look at it. So that's sort of the 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 monumental success and failure of quantum mechanics is that it is excellent at describing a system mathematically predictively to the point where nothing else even comes close and yet it gives us no uh, no direction with which to try to interpret it classically which is something of a failure of I believe something of a failure of us because we'd like to look at things classically as opposed to thinking of things from the quantum mechanics builds up the classical system as opposed to we have to try to interpret what quantum mechanics is doing from a classical point, but it does mean that all your that you are in a you're a wave of some sort. Oh, another question Max asked today is, "What's bigger than a million? 
<laughs> and both Allie and I answered a million and one. He's like, no, no, no. And he was frustrated. He couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't vocalize the next order of magnitude type thing. But, you know, so he's like, a billion. Okay. So what's after that? Truly. And then, like, after a while, Allie's like, you're just making this shit up. Like, I'm like, quintillion, septillion, sectillion, octillion, nonillion, decillion. I'm like, I can't tell you what a levendy illion is. Unoctillion, I believe. Is it? Undecillion. And then dodecatillion, right, or something like that. Right? That's twenty. Oh, is that twenty? Right? Yeah, Dodec. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I can go up to ten, tenly alien, but I can't get to eleven alien. There's, you know, there's, yeah, that's where a yada and all those weird things come in, right? Uh, but you know, we could we could go but, back. You know, and... it's, it's like Max asked a bunch of great questions mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Yeah, we could go back into you know. Then you have to talk about well, there's a decimal system, but really, if you go back to a more natural unit, you have to use the base e, and then <laughs> yeah. It, 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 the interesting thing is that yeah, those I questions, don't, don't think the, those numbering. questions, have led to some really fascinating and interesting ways of looking at the world that have helped us understand the world. Mm-hmm. But how do you go from your kid asking a question to saying? Okay, well, let's go down four years of mathematics to get to the point where we can now yeah, we can I mean, now start to look at what the possible answers to this question is. Usually, it's pretty easy. Yeah, you can you can find uh-huh. the depth that you need to reach, right? Yeah. You know, he was getting so frustrated because, like, no, a million and one, a million and one, is bigger. The next thing bigger than a million, right? But is it? But he's also. He, I mean, his perspective, though um, childish, he's a child, uh, and 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 ignorant of the of the facts, is still correct that a million and one is not really much different than a million, right? The the, the difference between a million and a million and one is insignificant. So we were, you know, I got up to nonillion, decillion, and then Allie asked, "Well, how close is that to infinity?" Like. <laughs> Zero, basically. I'm like, here we go. And then I said, you know, infinity is more of a concept than a number. And yes, a million is not really closer to infinity than one. So kids are asking great questions. They are. Today. They are. And and yeah, and the yeah, kids want answers, but of course the the ultimate answer is well, you're going to get to a point where we don't have answers. And I, I I strive to answer every question my kids ask. Right, but you're going to get to a point where you don't have answers, and then you have to tell your kids you're going to have to answer that, like, or, or you're going to have to find uh, an answer because because we don't know that that's a boundary of what we know, and maybe you'll figure it out, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you really want to know that, here's where you look, and here's where you go, and you got to get deep. <laughs> but it depends on how much you really want to know something, right? Well, when I told Max we had some of our smartest scientists working on some of this stuff, he's like, really? Like, yeah. Really? <laughs> You're asking questions about things that humans don't know. Yeah. Very good questions. Cool. All right. That's, uh, that's enough for this week, I think. All right. Look at that. We are 59.30.